This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. It's fun to hear the scripture in all these different languages. This is how it would have been heard on the day of Pentecost that we celebrate and look to today, hearing the good news of the kingdom of God in our own native tongue is an incredible way to demonstrate that our God is for all people. But this is still a pretty strange story. 120 followers of Jesus are gathered together, uh, waiting, wondering what in the world it is that they're supposed to be doing. They followed Jesus. Jesus died. He was buried and he was resurrected. They walked with him and talked with him. They ate breakfast together and then he ascended to heaven and told them to wait. And so they're waiting, wondering what comes next. And what comes next is a rush of wind and tongues of fire. The, the wind is described as the Ruach of God. Uh, Christian told us last week that's, that's the Spirit of God, the breath of God. And we should pay attention because whenever the Spirit or breath of God is moving in Scripture, something is about to happen. Uh, in Genesis 1, it says that the world was formless and void, and the Spirit of God hovered over the deep. Uh, it's the Spirit, the breath of God that is breathed into humanity from a, a lump of clay to now an animated creature. Uh, it's the Spirit of God that creates and transforms and renews. And so we should pay attention because the, the Spirit moves things from chaos to order from lifeless to alive, from empty to full. And that's what's happening on the day of Pentecost. The Spirit of God is moving amongst the people. And the Spirit moves on purpose, on mission. Our God is a missionary God. The Spirit of God came on these folks, not just so that they would feel good, not just so that they would be convicted of their sins, not just so they would get goosebumps when they sang their favorite worship songs, uh, the Spirit of God came and moved them, changed them. Uh, it moved them quite literally from inside to outside. Uh, I think it's kind of ironic that as churches are clamoring to get back into their buildings and suing the government so that we have the right to, to meet in a building, it, at Pentecost, the Spirit moves the church from inside a building out into the streets where the, where the church is meant to be and proclaim the good news of Jesus the, the people out there are the mission. The folks of the world, God's created people, God's desire is to redeem and restore all of humanity. And so when we think of the Spirit only as something that we encounter personally, something that we experience when we pray or, or when we, or we sing or when we need convicted or something that's just for us, we're, we're missing out on the fact that the Spirit of God shows up and moves and transforms us and our community for the sake of the people around us. Because... The people are God's mission. The people are God's plan. God desires that all people would know God, that all people would be transformed by this message that there is a better way, that the kingdom of God is working and going to right all that is wrong in the world. And so if we keep this thing to ourselves, we'll never get out into the streets where the people are, and they'll never hear the message. And it's a message that the world needs to hear. Here the disciples have gathered they experience the breath and wind and fire of God and it moves them out into the street and they start speaking in all these different languages, languages that they didn't study, languages that they didn't know, languages that probably weren't very common. And everyone gets to hear 
their, the gospel in their own language. What had probably happened is people had gathered to celebrate the end of Pentecost. Uh, people would travel to Jerusalem 50 days after uh, Passover and they would worship and they'd celebrate. This was a festival that reminded them of God's provision for them and what God had done in their life. And so people came from all over and they came with their dialects and their languages and they probably kept mostly to themselves even though they were all of the same faith or at least God-fearing. But all of a sudden, the language is spoken proclaiming the good news of Jesus for all people to hear. Uh, the Spirit declares loudly that this message is for everyone, which should come as no surprise. This is the way that Jesus lived and worked in his ministry. He touched those who were on the outside. He went to people that were foreigners and of different faiths and no faiths. He went to the sick and he went to the, to the dirty and he went to the powerful. This is who our God is. And at Pentecost, the Spirit declares loudly, it's for all people. Everyone has been invited to participate in this redemption story. And Peter stands up and he says, it's, it's the Spirit of God that's been poured out, and it's poured out on young people and old people. It's poured out on men and women. It's poured out on free and slave. It's poured out on Jew and Gentile, insiders and outsiders. The Spirit of God is for everyone. There are no qualifications. Too easy, too often, it's easy for us to put qualifications on who belongs and who God can work in. But, but at Pentecost, the, the doors are blown off. Pentecost erases the lines and divisions that we have set up. The barriers are torn down. Lines and divisions are anti-gospel because our people are all people. At Pentecost, it's for everyone, every tribe and every tongue and every nation. Our God is for everyone. And so we have to make sure that's the thing that motivates us, that we are, not, we are not united by other things. It's easy to get caught up in things that we have in common, whether it be our politics or our nation or our favorite things. But the thing that unites us, the thing that binds us together is the fact that we are the people of God. And, and the Spirit of God crosses borders and boundaries and walls. It cannot be contained and cannot be shut in. This is who our God is, Pentecost is a uniting day. It's a de declaration that God is for all people and all people are our people. And God's spirit is available to all people. And you don't have to have the right credentials and the right language and the right education and the right reproductive parts. You have the spirit of God available to you and you have been invited into this mission to go and proclaim the good news of the gospel, the good news of the kingdom of God to the ends of the earth. The apostles uh, are out there speaking and talking, causing this great big spectacle, and people are drawn to them. And one of my favorite parts in this scripture is they say, they're drunk, they're drunk. And Peter stands up and says, no, 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 it's only nine o'clock in the morning, it's too early to be drunk. And the reason I love that is because I was raised uh, to not drink alcohol. And, and so that the answer we would have been given, the, in the, the Sunday school answers that I would have been taught were, no, no, we're not drunk. We don't drink. Uh, as opposed to Peter, who's is, we're, it's too early to be drunk. I enjoy that. And, and that's funny. We can talk about alcohol sometime. I think it can destroy and ruin lives. And I still choose sobriety, but it cracks me up that his answer is, it's too early. Not, as I was raised, it's not good for you. So, uh, moving on. Uh, 
something that not all scriptures include in their translation is what I want to focus on. I, I hadn't missed this. I hadn't thought of it, but Kristen pointed out to me this week. And in verse 13, it says that people had been mocking them. They're bewildered. They're amazed. And it says others jeered at them saying they're full of new wine. New wine, not just wine, but new wine. New wine was wine that was sweeter. It hadn't uh, been matured as long, and so it wasn't as bitter. It was a sweet wine, and it was easier to overindulge in sweet wine. And that sweet wine could make you get drunk a little bit quicker, maybe, than you intended. And uh, Kristen suggested that maybe that they're accused of being drunk on new wine, but maybe, in fact, they are being transformed into new wine, that they're being made into something new, something sweet, something good, something meant to bring about joy and happiness to the world around them. Uh, new wine is wine that has been freshly pressed, uh, freshly been through the process, and now it is drank and enjoyed. Uh, but the process uh, ha ha changes grapes into drink. Uh, grapes into liquid and here the disciples had had been transformed they've been changed the spirit has come and something is different about them they went from a frustrated confused weirded out unsure people who denied Jesus and betrayed Jesus and abandoned Jesus and didn't understand Jesus so now they're standing in the streets proclaiming with boldness that that Jesus is Lord and he wants to save the people. Uh, they go from here to the ends of the earth declaring that Jesus is Lord and it will cost them their homes and their lives. Something has changed in these people and that change is the process that I want to talk about being, being made into new wine. This is not an easy process just because it, it turned out well doesn't mean that everything went well. Um, in order to make wine, you got to crush the grapes. In order to make wine, particularly back in the day, they would stomp and trod and, and smash up those grapes to squeeze out the juice from them. They, the grapes have to be crushed and pressed in order to bring about new wine. And I wonder if that's exactly what the Spirit of God was up to. That the Spirit of God was working in these people who were crushed and pressed and confused and unsure and using all that to bring about something new and bring about some change in their life. Uh, I wonder if that's what the Spirit of God is doing in our world. We are experiencing some times of crushing and pressing. Uh, we have people who are being uh, killed by people sworn to protect them uh, on, on camera for everyone to view. Uh, we have folks who are afraid to walk down the street because they're afraid their neighbors might call the cops on them. We have people marching down the street and we have people getting in clashes with police officers and, and burning down buildings. Uh, we have an incredibly divided politic in our nation. We, we have people who we are, we're not sure we can trust anymore. We have relationships that are fractured. And then we have this whole COVID thing going on, which seems to have taken a back seat in the last week. I mean, our world is full uh, of chaos right now. And we're being crushed and pressed. It feels like we're being trodden on, stomped, stamped down. And, and there are people that obviously have it worse than I do. But I wonder if all this is going to help us, if all this is going to be witness to the birth of something new in our lives. I wonder if the Spirit is up to something. Not 
because God causes this stuff. I think this stuff causes God's heart to ache. I think God is sick and heartbroken, and this is not the world God intends. But I believe God can use all the broken and messy. All that was intended for evil can be used for good, and we can come through all that is hard and pressing and crushing better instead of bitter. We can come out sweet and changed and transformed because the Spirit of God is at work and moves from chaos to order, from lifeless to life, from empty to full. And so I wonder if that's what's happening in our country, if we are going to experience some change and transformation, if God is going to crush, uh, use all that's crushing us to, to leave behind the, the things we don't need and create something new. There is much that needs to be left behind in our churches and in our world. Uh, there is much that needs to leave behind in our lives. And all this crushing might be the catalyst through which the Spirit of God does a new thing. Sometimes the crushing is outside pressure, things we can't control, the things on the news and the things that happen to us and relationships that fracture and being stuck and confined to our home for two months and, and bad diagnoses and all these things that we cannot control. But sometimes the crushing, crushing and the pressing is, is what it means when we follow Jesus and we submit ourselves to be taught by Jesus. We're following Jesus and we want to be shaped and formed by Jesus. And, and this process of discipleship will squeeze what is left of us and our old ways out and, and leave only what is good. It's a, the hard inner work of following Jesus and being honest with, with what God wants for us. Uh, I, I think that we have focused on some other things for a long time in our churches um, where we, we want to experience the blessings of God without the process of being changed by God. The Spirit of God will change us. The Spirit of God is not just goosebumps. It's transformation and, and recreation. Uh, we need to be changed so that we can bring the fruitfulness and sweetness of the Spirit of God to a world that's desperate for it. We need the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness gentleness and self-control in our world. How desperately do we need that in our world right now? How desperately do we need people who will represent the kingdom of God versus the kingdoms of this world? We need to be changed. We need to be transformed. I'm afraid that we've just wanted a little bit of Jesus sprinkled in rather than Jesus working on us and crushing and pressing the things out of us that we don't need any longer. And I think that's why our world burns. I think that's why there's so much hurt and brokenness. I mean, we claim to be a Christian nation, which which I'm going to get in trouble for that. I just don't believe it's true. But even if it were true, how has this been the fruit of a Christian nation? How have, how have people who've been changed and transformed by God into something new and sweet and life-giving ended up with people who who are being murdered on Twitter feeds and who are burning down their cities. How has this become the way? I think our world is starving for something better. I think they're dying of thirst and the answer is new wine. People who follow Jesus and will be crushed and pressed by the way of Jesus and, and transformed into something new and better. I don't know whether it's outside forces that are crushing you or maybe it's internal stuff and things, business that you have to do with God. But I believe the Spirit of God wants to do work in us and through us and wants to squeeze out all that is the old way, the old me, and wants to leave all that is good and for flourishing and wants to transform us into something that is sweet and life-giving when giving when 
people look at the church, they don't see sweet, they see bitter. They're not attracted to it like they were on the day of Pentecost. They're repulsed by it. And not because our message is hard, but because we have not reflected the Spirit of God who is for all people from all places at all times. We've got to surrender to the process of being changed and transformed by the Spirit of God. We have got to allow ourselves to be crushed and pressed and transformed and moved as the Spirit of God moves within us. We've got to look inside and do the hard work of saying, what in me is more like me than like Jesus? What in me is incompatible with this kingdom of God? Here's one example. <laughs> Racism. Obviously, we still have this problem in our country. And I'm not just talking about racism where we dress up in white hats and burn crosses in people's yards. I'm talking about the, the internal bias and prejudices that we have that we might not even be aware of. I'm talking about systemic oppression that we might not experience the same way people of color experience. I, I'm talking about the, the things that I'm privileged for because I'm a white male and I know that this language is inflammatory and it's become partisan, but it's not partisan, it's a gospel. God is for all people, and God loves all people. And if there are divisions and divides in our country that separate people and that oppress people and hurt people, then it is the goal and mission of the church to erase those lines because the Spirit of God is poured out on all people. And the Spirit of God is for all people. And the reason we experience the Spirit of God is so that we can go to all people. And if I have racism in my heart, even, even unknown, unchecked, and things I'm participating in that I don't realize are hurting other people, or if I, if I have sexism in my heart, or I have partisanship in my heart, where I filter everything through the lens of whether it's a Republican or a Democrat, then I am not able to speak the full language of the Spirit of God. When I speak, they're going to hear a Democrat or a Republican. They're going to hear a white guy or they're going to hear a male, or they're going to hear something besides the Spirit of God, who wants to pour out on all people, young and old and slave and free and insider and outsider. The Spirit of God who has come to redeem all of creation, all people from the ends of the earth. The Spirit of God that wants to bring transformation. The Spirit of God that wants to be known. The Spirit of God that wants peace and wholeness for the world around us. We, church, have to do the work. We have to put in the pressing and the crushing. We have to surrender ourselves to Jesus and say, have your way in me, work on me. Even when it's hard, even when I don't want to, even when it's painful, even when it's gonna be, make me uncomfortable. Church, it's time to get uncomfortable because we have chased so many other things, money and power and politics and and prestige and comfort and all those things gotta get pressed and crushed out of us if we're gonna be vessels for the Spirit of God to work and move in the world this is how we change the world the Spirit of God poured out on those who know and follow Jesus so that others can know and follow Jesus so we can stand up and say this is not the way that there's a better way that there's a way of peace and wholeness, that, that there's a God who loves you regardless of where you're from or what you look like or how much money you have or, or what your status is, that there's a God who loves you regardless of whether you know you're loved. And this God wants to work and move in your life. Uh, this God wants to move in our lives and send us out to our neighbors to let them know that they belong and they are loved and there is freedom and there's a better way. 
Oh, there's a God who's at work to make the kingdom of God reality on earth as it is in heaven. And I'm afraid that we're not speaking the same language and that we need to let all this pressure and crushing and being stomped and broken down to transform and change us, to trust that God is at work, to say no to taking shortcuts, to say no to, to just wanting something for when we die so we can go to heaven. We want to be changed and transformed. We wanna be full of this spirit and the only way that we can be full of this spirit is to be emptied of the one that we have before to be emptied of the old ways and the old me so that we can become more like Jesus than we are like ourselves. God loves us as we are. We are worthy and we have value and we, we matter. But God wants to do something new in us to save us from the sin that we're a part of, to save us from the destruction that we have for ourselves, to save us from a world that's wracked by injustice. God wants to make it all new. He starts with us. And so we surrender to the way of Jesus. And we do it together <laughs> because it's not meant to be done on our own. This is the work of the church, to gather together to submit ourselves to the Spirit, to say, come Holy Spirit, have your way in us. Bring on the crushing, bring on the pressing, convict me. Show me where I'm wrong. Show me where my attitude is not Christ-like. Show me where my blind spots are. Show me where my allegiances are. And God, would you crush it out of me? Would you bring new wine? Would your spirit, the breath, the ruach of God blow through our homes? would it change us and would it change the way we spend our time and our money and the way we look at people and the way we work to make the world more like God intended that's the work of the church God is doing a new thing at Pentecost and today God is up to something recreating and transforming and bringing life where there is none and order where there is chaos and fullness where there is emptiness Will we submit ourselves to the work of God and allow God to change and transform us for the sake of the world around us? Jesus is not just an add-on. Jesus is not just a good luck charm. Jesus has inaugurated a new kingdom and a new way, and we're being recreated, and all that belongs to the other kingdoms is dying. And so, God, bring forth new wine in us. Change us, shape us, mold us. God, when we are experiencing the pressures of the, of the world outside and we turn on the news or, or when we talk to friends or we're worried and fearful of what's happening or we're experiencing brokenness that's beyond our control, God, would you help us to trust you in that? Would you save us from bitterness and fear and doubt? Would those moments make us rely on you in more real and strong ways? Would we feel your presence? Would your spirit be with us and would it move? Would we respond to these crises the way that you would? God, would you help us to surrender to the process of being taught by you? Would you help us to learn what we need to learn and what it means to be a follower of Jesus? Would you help us to unlearn the things we need to unlearn? God, would you help us to tear down the idols that show up in our lives so frequently? God, would you help us to see people instead of projects? Would you help us to see people instead of things to fear? Would you help us, God, to see where we have given ourselves to something that has tainted the way we speak of you? God, would you make us a sweet, refreshing drink for the world? 
God, would you show us how we can bring about your goodness and wholeness to the world around us? God, would you have your way in us? God, help us to have the courage to surrender, to lay down that which does not belong to your kingdom in our lives, to empty ourselves of all that is broken and sinful and destructive and marked by the ways of the world so that we can be filled up with your spirit. God, would your breath and fire fall on us now? God, have your way in us so that the world can hear and the world can see that there is a God who loves them, that there is a better way. God, would you unite us? Would you heal us? Would you put to death all the prejudice and misogyny and hatefulness and partisanship and brokenness and ugliness and violence in our world? God, would you start that work in us? here, this church, these folks, these living rooms. God, change our hearts in the crushing, in the pressing. Bring new wine so that we can be a vessel for your kingdom. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.